It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price. Taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. Hi, family. Greetings in the name of our wonderful, majestic, delightful, faithful Lord Jesus Christ. As you can see, I am happy about the king. I'm in love with him and I'm looking for God to do God in every which kind of way. I'm excited. So much has happened to me this weekend that I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to contain myself. I probably won't do a good job at it. But for those of you who have been following me on Facebook, Book, you know that I've won my election. I'm so excited. I have won the election here in Oklahoma for state ch- uh, uh, ch- committee person. I'm so excited. I don't know what to say, but state committee person for the um, Oklahoma Republican uh, Party. I'm excited. I'm excited. Listen, don't write me about Republican Party, okay? I, I know the saints. I know y'all. I love you. Smooches, do not write me about, okay, don't do that. And you know why? Because your Democrat is tearing us up. So if we did not understand what God was trying to do to get Trump back in office, all we had to do is give this man 30 days. I don't even know how many executive orders he's written. But what I do know is that the states are rising up and the states are pushing back. And the states are like, well, no, you realize that these people bankrupt us for uh, over a year, that you have people who lost their homes, lost their cars, lost their family, lost their jobs, lost their businesses, restaurants can't uh, are not making money. Those are livelihoods. And then this man could care less about a livelihood. You understand? I say, congratulations, kudos to the states, kudos to you governors who are saying, you are not tearing down my land. Now, you might want to do that with the folk who think you walk on water, but the rest of us know that you walk in dust. And I I applaud you. I'm praying for more and more states that like Oklahoma that said, no, no, we're not. You're not going to rule us like that. We are not going to be under a tyrannical ruler. This is powerful. These are great times. So, you know, I said to someone when I was giving one of my talks, I said, you know, Crises is the most wonderful way to shift errors. You want to shift an error, create a crisis. And so whenever earth, humanity, creation is ready for the next thing God wants to do, he stirs the pot. Well, I got, I've got to tell you, first of all, Brother Trump, our president, stirred the pot. I am stunned at how much having somebody who believes in Jesus Christ for real in the White House rock the boat of the planet. I got to give it to that man. He's got some fire on him. You know, great leaders have fire. They bring fire with them. They have firepower. And so they bring that with them. And so this was great. It's time to shift. God is clearing his church. He's clearing his prophets. He's clearing his apostles. He's clearing his messengers. And I am thrilled. Because when this thing settles out, what was will be no more. And I said that in August 1917, uh, 19, no, no, it was, it was really, I would like to say 19, because then we can, but 2017. But I said that uh, 2017, that 
God was going to do a hard reset. Of course, at that time, I did not know what he was talking about. Although as things unfolded, I realized that he had given me the plan because, you know, you get it in meetings and sessions and clips and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's wonderful that we have it. So God said he's changing. He's changing the guard. Well, we didn't think the guard was that bad until we got into 2020. 2020 realized that, oh, so the United States of America was not us anyhow. It was not our country. It's somebody else's country. It's not us. And that is why I'm applauding these governors. They're like, no, you cannot have our land. No, we're not giving you free reign. No, you got this man in power who, who is literally issuing edicts, executive orders that will that, uh, that go with a deconstruction of America campaign. This man is deconstructing us. And he could care less about our children, about our infants, about our little boys and our little girls. And he care less about any of that. All he knows is he's got an agenda and that agenda paid to put him in that office. And far as he's concerned, whatever they want, whatever they bought is what they get. But I'm grateful to God because God said to me long before this happened. I, I, now, this time I can say back in 19. Back in the late 1990s, when I, you know, I'm thinking probably mid, but sure, 19, early 1980s, um, excuse me, 1990s, he said to me, I'm not done with America. Well, at that time, I didn't know what God was talking about, but we forget that he's Alpha and Omega, meaning he's way ahead of us, but he's already finished with what we're going through. And what he's going to do. That is why he can call the end of a thing from the beginning as his prophets are in his book, because he calls the end from the beginning. And so we look at this and we were looking while we are having a great time. God's at the end for when that time is turning, when the tables are turning, the tide is turning and all of those things. So he calls the end from the beginning. And so back in the late 80s, early 90s, he said, I am not finished with America. And I thought, OK, I'm, I'm a new prophet at that time. I probably if I'd had a seasoned mentor or something, they may have been able to give me more information. And then from then on, he began to give me all of the visions and all of the dreams and, and everything about, uh, about our country and what he was doing. And so I want you to know that prophecy is not an incident. We treat it. We treat that moment that we hear it as an incident, that single occasion, an event. It's, you know, it's a, I have an event of prophecy. I prophesied this and I prophesied that. And so because we've been taught that the event, that incidental event that people like to do, you know how they like to have the prophecy fest on New Year's Eve and everybody gets up and says what's going to happen as if everything that said that night is etched in stone and everything we need to know about what they say is in that word but prophecy is not an event and when you're, if you're taking notes i want you to write that down write it in your bible write it where you can see it prophecy is not a single event and i'm going to teach it and if you look on the screen you can see where my where my credibility is coming from and my credentials, the prophet's handbook, the prophet's dictionary, the standardized ministry assessments. Oh my goodness, I've just, can I just talk, and my brand new book, Assessing Your Prophetic Self. So just like what I'm saying to you today might come in a single broadcast, 
how I got to say it and all that went into me being able to say it that capacitated me for what I am communicating to you today happened from 1982 till today. So even though you have a single broadcast, it is not a single event. Neither is prophecy. I have a book that I want everybody who wants to understand it, uh, uh, that I'm, I'm, I will be soon pairing with my Assessing Your Prophetic Self called Prophecy, God's Divine Communications Media. That is a, a wonderful, very short, you know, but it's, it's a wonderful book to help you understand and see the technology of prophecy, not just the theology, not just the charismata, but the technology. So watch for it. On, online because you're going to see it soon. I'm pairing the two, C Prophecy, God's Divine Communications Media with Assessing Your Prophetic Self or Assessing Yourself Prophetically. I need you to understand you need to do that because once you read Divine communi um, Communications, which is my short version, once you read that, then you'll go over and, it, and what happens and what you learn from assessing your prophetic self begins to make sense. And the two will help you. Now, let's say, for instance, let's say you are a chief prophet, house prophet. You know, let's say you are a... Um, a prophetic educator that we don't talk a lot about that, but there are many of you out there who are very good, very high quality prophetic educator. Now, something now you, I need to tell you something because there that comes in three dimensions there's the prophet educator, which is more academic and literary, and then there is the prophetic educator, which is more uh, general, more fundamental basic, but then there's prophecy educate, uh, the educator, and the prophecy educator is simply a technician. So you need to recognize that. That's very important information because you might be judging the wrong educator or the wrong messenger or the messenger from the wrong stream. So we have the educator prophets. That's your highest one. And when you're educating prophets, you are now educating officials for the entire institution of God's divine communications, plus the governmental foundation upon which it rests and the fullness of the continuum. I'm helping somebody right now because I'm giving you language and I'm giving you definition for the purpose you've not been able to articulate. Now I am able to do that for you. So that's the profit. But if you are a prophetic educator, then you are interested in helping people understand the, in, in very broad strokes the prophetic so that they can become a prophesier. They are not going to be an official. They're not discharging the office. They don't have any kind of mantleship to be concerned about. None of those things matter. All they're going to do is be a see and say, hear and speak vessel. They don't have to worry about how to muscle in on darkness, how to coerce a word and compel it to come to pass. They don't have to worry about the, the navigational elements and the maneuverables of this. They simply need to hear and say, these are your gifters. So when somebody tells me they have a prophetic gifting, that's what I'm looking for. And if somebody tells me they're a prophet and all they tell me with the rest that they answer me with has to do with them seeing and saying, hearing a word and publicizing it, giving it, then, the, you know, these are the mic runners. 
They're gonna they they they're gonna they're gonna grab the mic and and that's not bad. They're going to just give you the word of the Lord. So this is not it. But then we have the prophecy educators, and they're more tutors than anything. So they are more inclined to tutorials. You know, tutorials are short. They are they you you know you go and you t- take a one day seminar and whatever because they are tutorials. Now this person is only concerned with the techniques involved in getting you to hear from God and speak. See, some of you, are, you went to these sessions and, and you didn't realize that you got what you went for, you got what you paid for. Or some of you may say you got a whole lot less because the person is not that kind of educator. That means they're not that kind of messenger either. See, academia doesn't speak to them. Government doesn't speak to them. Regulations, policy, best practices, safeguards, preventions, none of that matters. All that matters is the audiation. And they are audiating to their audience, whoever and whatever that might be. But all of the other safeguards and all the parameters and pillars and everything else that the office must have, they they don't know about that. They have no idea. And the, and so the last group runs more on instant impulse. The, the second group runs on instinct. And that first group runs on the institution, the eternal institution of the prophetic. Now, you all need to sit down right now and get my cash app and sow me a seed because I just broke a whole lot of souls free. So you need to sow me a seed. Now, how do you find out? Dr. Price, that's really good information. And I, I have to, you know, I thank you for it. But how do I find out? I have an assessment, the standardized ministry assessments. And you go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, click take an assessment. Now, let me warn you, do not take the prophetic assessment first because it will tell you you're a prophet even if you're not, or it will kick you out and you'll be embarrassed by the results. Because it's designed for those who are and have already uh, either demonstrated prophetic aptitude and inclination or those people who are actually in the um, ministry of the prophet. So you don't want to start with that. Start with the minister's assessment questionnaire, MAQ. I think they're running some sort of a special on it. I think I heard that in the hallways through the office. You know, I just pick up these drifts. So I think they are, which makes it a very good time for you to get it. Take that MAQ. It will tell you the type of minister you are. Because if if you want to know if you are a minister or if you're just a messenger, then you need to take the MAQ. Now, the M, and, and so the MAQ is going to give, it's a five-fold assessment. Many times we don't go through the trouble to tell you that. It's a five-fold assessment, plus a couple of other, uh, not in the five-fold uh, of services, leadership, and, and things like that. So, But it lets you know where you land in the five-fold, which is why I tell you, take it first. So coming out the gate is going to say what your dominant office or calling is. Any one of the five-fold or helps or special ministries or something like that. It's going to tell you that coming out the gate. Now, it's not just going to tell you, it's going to tell you that you're either a, an office, a gift, a manifestation or a gifting. You're going you're to know that. So you know where you stand on a scale of one to 10. 
So if you're gifting, we're going to put you in that, you know, gifting one to 30, 40%. Manifestation is going to be 50 to, you know, make 65, 70%. I'm, now I'm giving you examples. Don't hold me to it because I don't have one in front of me. And then all over that, over 85, yeah, it has to be 85% because all over 85% is drops into the office. Now there's information that will that you will get if you reach the office score that the people who come in and just show up as a gifting never see. My advisors are, are always stunned when they say, oh, this person scored blah, 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 and this new information is coming and they've been doing it for over a decade. So you want to do that. Then the next thing is going to tell you is your secondary ministry. What props up your dominant ministry? What is your supporting gift or your supporting strength or faculty? So it'll tell you that. And here's what the next thing is. You're going to love this part. It's very important. It will also speak to the environment you should be in. Because many times you thought that you failed when you didn't fail, but you were in the wrong environment. For example, if you are an artistic minister, then for you to be put in a school is probably going to frustrate you. You're not interested in that unless you're planning on founding a school. So that's not going to speak to you. Or if you're called to work in community for you to, to, to go and decide that you're going to be a church that's going to take the city and do governmental things, you're going to fail. So your talents and your, uh, your dominant and your secondary uh, callings are frustrated. And their power is muted by you being in the wrong environment. So you want to take the assessment for that. Now, after that, we give you something called the readiness quotient. And the readiness quotient says how close or far away from being ready to execute this as a full-fledged professional you are. And believe me, it does a pretty good job of letting you know that. So when you go there, we have something called emotional intelligence quotient. We let you know where you are. Now, emotional intelligence is very important because it's actually calibrated for, to tell you that even though you, you might have accumulated a score of 85, when stress happens, when you have trauma, when family matters come up, when desire for other things, as Jesus says in his parable, happen, you can't deliver. You withdraw or you pull back or you reduce and diminish your excellence. And you should know that because many times you've been taught today because we think that God runs by human law. We've been taught today. God doesn't want you to put your ministry on um, your family, uh, you know, and, and through the inconvenience of ministry. God doesn't want this. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want this. But see, that's not that's not the Holy Ghost. Now, that's some ghost. But that's not the Holy Ghost. That is not the God, the Holy Ghost, the spirit that brought you from heaven to earth and put you in your body as the new creature in Christ Jesus. That's not him. Because, see, you don't think you understand that you may not understand God has a kingdom and his kingdom has got to go on and it's got to be around to the next generation. And the, thereafter, all the way till we get to the spirit and the bride say, come. God has got to be on top. He has got to be in charge. He's got to be number one. And if he has to skip two or three generations because they've been taught poorly for him to get what he wants and work behind the scenes strictly through his invisible agencies, then he'll do that. But his ideal is that he 
we collaborate with his realm, that we partner with his realm. That is God's ideal so that his children, the offspring of Jesus Christ, can work together side by side, arm in arm, mind in mind, heart to heart and shoulder to shoulder with the invisible powers that have been keeping this thing going since before time began. So when we look at your emotional intelligence, that may work for your church, but that doesn't work for kingdom, not for the king's kingdom. That works for your local congregation. That doesn't even work for your job. Because you know what? They may understand you saying, okay, I'm just, I am, um, I'm, I'm sick a little bit. My dog's sick. My baby's sick. They can understand that for a while. But after a, while, after a long string of excuses, they're going to invite you to find another place to work. That's how it goes. And yet when we do that in ministry, we're wrong when you do it, when they do it in your job all the time. Now, frankly, Dr. Price could care less about right, wrong, how that goes. I'm here for Jesus Christ, and I'm here to see to it that everything this man wants, he gets uh, from what he's entrusted to me. Now, somebody else, that's uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, and I have to fight their battle because I don't have to pull their load. But I will tell you this. God does not take it the way he calls you a dropout. He will call you a failure. He'll call you an abandoner. He'll call you slothful. Bible is full of all of those things that he calls people who start and don't finish, who won't give him the best, and who will use anything to get out of doing what they promised him they would do. God doesn't ignore. He's just not petty. You know, what we, we think that God is petty, meaning, okay, his feelings hurt today. We're going to be judged tonight. That is not how God works. And when I do my, my session on tapping into the mind of God, you, it's going to make sense. Because you've heard a lot of people understanding God, how God thinks. No, no, no. God doesn't think like humans because God has no mortality to contend with. 90% of what we do is based on mortality. We're not going to be here long. Life's short. Here today, gone tomorrow, sick today, well tomorrow, not a terminal to right now. See, God doesn't think like that. So you have to realize how many decisions and how many rules and customs and activities and behaviors and habits plug into that reality. That's not God's reality. God has no fear. He, he doesn't have any fear. So he doesn't have to worry about, okay, well, what if they come back on me? Well, if they come back on me, that is not God. He doesn't have any fear. Jesus didn't have any fear. And he knew he was getting ready to be beat up and killed. But he moved in faith. So, those, so there are certain things that you believe about God that fit this world. But they'd have no place in God's world. Now, they have a good place in hell. But they have no place in God's eternal world. God, it doesn't think like man. That's He said, one of the things he taught me was from Psalm 50, the end of Psalm 50. He said, well, you thought I was altogether like you. But I will judge you for what you've done. So God is not, you know, he's not altogether like us. He's not like us at all. We are in his image. But he has to redeem us to get us to be like him, to be as he is. That's the whole power of the cross and power of the blood of the lamb. So getting back to the assessment, we then we move on down and we have we give you your, your list of, uh, of strengths and your list of threats, the things that will take you out and they will take you out because every time there a question related to that segment or that category came up, you answered it consistently the same way. 
Once we get through that, then we go into what we call our 22 dimensions of your calling, of the every minister's calling. And you, you get to choose that and it tells you what those are and what to do with that information. We let you know that if you went into full-time full ministry preparation based on your assessment responses and results, it would take you blank, blank years to be ready to occupy your office or to bring yourself up from beginner to intermediate to full readiness. There is also a little variable in there called ratios, your success ratio. We have in there those success ratios that tells us that blank out of blank times, you can deliver the same way on time with quality and excellence blank out of blank time so imagine a worker you have a staffer that you you're really good you, they, you love them they're bright they're quick but you notice that every seventh or sixth thing they drop the ball they forget something they don't remember what happened that's what the ratio will tell you now we do give you some information as to some the possibilities of why that is so but that is the, the assessment now all of them give you that consistent information. But in the end, the uh, the PAQ and the ADQ, they are specific to that office. So I encourage you as you go to find out who you are and where you are and how God deals with you ministerially and how he built you first and then how he deals with you. Because many times we're going against divine design and we're trying to live according to human definitions. And that's not going to work. So you need to you need to remember that as we go forward. Now, why am I going through this? Because we think we know God is not like us. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my waves above your ways. And then he goes to tell you for that reason, his words never return to him void. And he keeps doing what he does. And he keeps working. And you need to understand that if you're going to be a messenger for the almighty, you have to wrap your head around the reality of how God is. God is almighty. I know you, you, you know, he gave us even the examples we have in scripture. Those are all just to help us get a visual. Those are just visual aids, comprehension aids you know, scenarios and simulations, but that's not how God works, not how his world works, because remember, God's world has no sin, no failure, no death, no darkness. God is light and there in him is no darkness at all. And God cannot lie. Humans need lies. That's why, and we, we need them and we even give them colors. You know, that's a little white lie. That's a little gray lie. Yeah, but that's a little gray area, but that's actually a shade of gray. That's not really deep gray. Yeah, well, that's a that's that's black lie. That's full-blown lie. We do the same thing with witchcraft. We got white witches and, and black witches and midway because humans need that. That's not God. There is no dark place in his world except him. Darkness has got to be him. Him pulling himself out of a situation, out of an environment, out of an atmosphere. See, my, and so you need to understand that. So, so Dr. Price, what is this all about? Because you have to recognize that the prophetic is not an event. It is not a single event. And, it, and in that event, if, it, if that event that you prophesy were taken by a screenwriter or a screenplay or, or a movie uh, de a developer or movie maker and, and put into a full-grown or full-blown production, 
you would see all of the nuances that you didn't even care that came out of your mouth. You would see all of the indicators, implications, insinuations, and such that went into this word that you think is an event. You'll even be able to see how that, how they had to script it, script all of the effects, the outcome, the aftermath, because prophecy is not an event. And you have been taught that it is. And that is why you think you know. Because you've been taught the most, the minutest, the most microscopic, subatomic elements of prophecy. Not even the prophetic, prophecy. You have no idea about the host of things that can happen and that will happen once you, those words leave your mouth, whether or not they're God's. Jesus says he will cause everybody to give an account of every idle word they, they have spoken in their whole life. But if it's idle, Jesus, why do you care? Because to us, idle is to be ignored. Idle is to be dismissed. Idle is to just be, you know, uh, just to be trashed. I mean, so, so all right, you know, mea culpa, faux pas, I'm, all right? That's not heaven. He because breath equals spirit, spirit equals life. So when you when your breath goes out to produce anything or in or to interact or interconnect with this created environment in God's mind, it's doing something. It doesn't make a difference if it's dying, if it's killing someone, if it's humiliating somebody, if it's encouraging, it doesn't matter. So he said we're going to give an account of every idle word that we speak. Now Bump that up to prophecy. We have to give an account of every word that we say is God. Every prediction, every prognostication, every divination. We've got to give an account of it, says the Lord. And the mouth and the messenger are both held accountable. So it is not an event. If it's not an event, then what is it? It's a production. Prophecy, however brief, however extensive, is a production because it produces something or it generates producers that embody themselves in this world, in world events. So, you know, that whole idea, we're just going to have a, a night of prophecy and everybody's going to be happy and that great. That's wonderful. I don't, you know, I think that we need to do it because God is speaking constantly. The stream never ends. But I do not let my people walk away thinking that they've got the full summation and the full information on what they're doing. You, prophecy is a capsule. It's a time release capsule. And you know, when they talk about time release medicine and you take it and they say, well, you take one today or one a week and that thing is programmed to release its efficacies at, at, at predetermined times in your body when it mixes with your chemistry. Prophecy is that way with creation. It's time release. That's why you want to read that book, Prophecy, God's Divine Communications. You definitely want to read that book because it explains this to you in very semi-technical terms. I worked for a communications company and I brought that training and that experience and education to that book. Thank you for listening to the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit drpaulaaprice.com for resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully. Follow Dr. Price on Facebook 
YouTube and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.